Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ladies Ordinary Podcast. I'm your host, Mariah, and I am joined by a very special guest today. I have my dear friend, Cindy, on the podcast. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Mariah. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm so happy to join you. This is my first podcast. This is Cindy's first podcast, but I'm telling you, she could have a podcast all of her own because she is <laughs> so interesting. She always has something to say, something important to say. Um, so we met through, actually, we met through Mr. Fish. So we've known each other for a couple months now, since like March. Yes, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. So you have been friends with Mr. Fish for many years, and you guys met through sailing. That's correct. We have been friends. Mr. Fish and I have been friends for about 20 years, I'd say. We met through another group of friends that were involved in racing sailboats on the Chicago waterfront. And um, we actually refer to each other as the sailing fam <laughs> because we've got this kind of special bond between this group. Um, and we, we spend quite a lot of time together. And, you know, racing a sailboat is, you you really see who someone is. Yeah, <laughs> you it's, see it's their, a high pressure. <laughs> it's a high pressure situation. You see their pluses and minuses and we, and we all want to do well. So yeah, so we've gotten, we've gotten to know each other very, very well. My husband also is involved with sailing. And so we're, the three of us are frequently sailing as a team. Yes. So I have been lucky enough. Obviously, you guys have welcomed me into your home in Michigan and I got to watch the boys race. I've never seen you race, but maybe next summer. Um, yes. So I something that I thought was so cool was the boat that you guys actually race in Michigan is called an NM and it was built and designed to race in northern Michigan. Correct. Yeah, it's called the NM One Design Sloop. And it's a 30 foot, roughly wooden sailboat with a roughly six foot beam. And it takes a crew of four people. So we've got another good buddy who um, is up in that area as well. And he joins in. And uh, yeah, the competition, it's hotly contested. Yeah, it is. It was so interesting. Obviously, me like being a complete outsider, I got to go up one weekend and watch. And I just couldn't believe the community that's surrounding it because obviously I've never been around sailing, but I thought that part of it was so neat. But then also it was really neat for me to see like Mr. Fish and how close you guys all like you're so tight knit through that sailing yeah. community. So that was really, really neat for yeah. me to see. Yeah. And the friendships really extend kind of beyond the boat into the full fleet. You know, a lot of the people that we are actually competing against who are, you know, on the opposing teams, you know, they're really kind of, be we've all become very good friends. It's even though you're there, really, everybody's going for it. At the end of the day, it's, you know, have a drink and, you know, yeah. congratulate whoever the winner is. And, and we have a very nice camaraderie. It's, it's a, it's really a, special sport to be involved when I feel very yeah. lucky to be part of it. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. Um, so what did you guys do for Thanksgiving? How was your Thanksgiving? Well, we were invited to a friend's home and she kind of, we, we don't have kids mm -hmm. and, um, and just, you know, to kind of 
have a little context for your listeners. My husband yeah. and I are together for 28 years mm -hmm. and um, we did not have children. So on the holidays, you know, it's always a little bit of a, hmm. like, what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do? Like yeah. the childless people. Yeah. So we um, we've, we've developed kind of a very nice, um, some nice traditions with a group of friends and, and uh, one friend, it kind of invites all the childrenless people. But that's got to be a um, very interesting group of people. It is. It is. We, you know, their people are very accomplished. They've done a lot of different things around, you know, obviously there's a lot of accomplished people with kids, but when you, when you don't have kids, you're right. You know, your, your life just goes in a little bit different path. And so, you know, they're this particular friend, she's a very, very high level equestrian. Oh, wow. And so she isn't competing really herself anymore, but she coaches a lot of other riders. And so it's just a really interesting group of people. They've gone all over the world with their horses mm -hmm. and done a lot of things. And, and she lives on this really beautiful farm that is, you know, complete with the, with the white wooden fences, trimming the pastures. I mean, it is, it's that. picturesque. Yeah, really. So yeah. So it was a great, don't have kids, but you have two very special dogs and I yes, love, too. so you have Tati and Remy right now. Yes. We, what yeah. kind of dogs? Yes. We have Remy and Tati. They're both wire fox terriers, yes. wire hair fox terriers. There's a smooth coated fox terrier in the wire hair. And so our boys are the wiry ones and, and they, they are, are precious. Yeah. They precious. are, ex they have a lot of personality. <laughs> Um, Remy, <laughs> Remy is named after the uh, rat chef in Ratatouille, the Disney film. I, and when y'all told me that, I could not believe that for some reason. I, I think that is so sweet though, that you guys love well, Ratatouille. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't have kids, but like we're addicted to this Ratatouille movie. So <laughs> when we, we really, you know, I obviously, you know, there a big bond between my husband and Mr. Fish is yes. aside from the sailing is cooking. These are two guys who really know how to cook. And so when, when the Disney film had come out many years ago, and we had two, you know, we've had five dogs together, my husband and I, and we both. Yeah, that's what I want to talk dogs. about that. Yeah. 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 So then, so even though we, we didn't even, we didn't have Remy yet. He wasn't born. We weren't even ready to get a puppy yet, but we were watching that movie and John said the next dog is going to be named Remy. And so, yeah. So we had to find that. the right little. And yeah. you found we the perfect find, one. Yeah. We did. We found the right little guy to become the, you know, true personification of that little rat in the movie he is Remy <laughs> yes it's so sweet so you guys have had five dogs so you you keep yeah. two at a time which I love well we yes we we started well okay the first two that we had were only a year and a half apart in age mm -hmm. and and the um and one of them only made it to nine years old which is very young for young this breed for, yeah yeah he got a rare kidney disease and so he died young and the brother of him, uh, Maxwell. So their names were Halstead and Maxwell and Maxwell made it to 18 and a half years old. So Jeez. when Halstead passed away, yeah, it was crazy. So when Halstead passed away at such a young age, we, we weren't, we just were so broken hearted that we just couldn't get a puppy right away. Yeah. So 
so Max, it was just us two and Max for like, I think five years, maybe even seven years. Mm -hmm. So then we got a little guy named Parker. We brought him in and, and then Maxwell passed away. And that's when we got Remy. And now we have a little two-year-old named Tati. So there's a 10-year, you know. Difference. So yeah, yeah there's a 10-year age gap between these two. And Tati is also <laughs> named after another one of our favorite films, which is, uh, it's called A Good Year. It has Russell Crowe mm -hmm. and Marianne Cotillard. They, Russell Crowe is like I'm some kind of like a stockbroker guy in London who has this eccentric uncle who passes away and leaves him this beautiful farm in, in the south of France. And I lived in Paris when I was younger and had a job there. So I, anyway, I was just, I love this film. It's just so like the dream of, you know, the Parisian or, or French countryside lifestyle. And there's a little dog that lives on the vineyard that the stockbroker guy inherits and the dog's name was Tati. So that's how we got the name Tati. <laughs> do you guys so, like, do you bank the names in advance or? Yeah. Yeah. We, do yeah, we, we pretty much naming? do. Yeah. Do you pass off naming or y'all pretty much do that uh, together? Um, well, John definitely named Remy. I, I probably named Parker because there was a lady so John comes from a very interesting family. His parents um, owned a business. They're both deceased, but they owned a really cool business that they developed. Um, they developed uh, artist housing in a neighborhood in Chicago. And so, and what I mean by artist housing is they would buy old buildings and convert them into lofts. And That's even though today, yeah, today, I think all of us know what a loft is now and everybody's that's that's a very familiar vernacular, but they started doing this in like 1950-ish. Like, so it was kind of groundbreaking you know, at the time. It was, it was very, very different. You know, outside of say like Soho in New York, there really weren't other neighborhoods like that where mm -hmm. people were taking these old buildings and doing these loft conversions and artists back then, you know, they lived very bohemian style, you know, sometimes right. it would be like pretty raw space with like shared bathrooms and everything. But in any case, John grew up around all these really interesting eccentric artists. Eccentric people, yeah. Which it shows, people. it shows John yeah, he's, is an interesting <laughs> person as well. He is, he is. He's super creative and he's mm -hmm. thinking all the time. So definitely those, all of those people left a big impact on him. And they had this woman who worked for them and she was from England. She had been an urban planner and her name was Maureen and Maureen spoke with a really heavy English accent and she was a cool lady. I, I knew her as well. Like she passed away a few years after I met John. So, okay. so you got to and, meet her. Yeah. And so anyway, she spoke, she just was this kind of unbelievable lady, but, but, um, with the with Halstead, the dog who passed away very young, mm -hmm. she always called him Nosy Paca, and she would, <laughs> you know, with her English accent, mm -hmm. because because he was a curious little dog and he would stick his nose like in everything. Like if you sat your purse down or if somebody opened around. a desk drawer, he's like in there. Like what do you got in there? <laughs> and so she always called him Nosy Nosy Paca, and so. 
when we got this adorable little puppy after losing this beloved dog at such a young age, we got this adorable little pup and both of us were so kind of heartbroken over the loss of this young dog and this little guy, we didn't even have a name for him yet. We just got him because he was so adorable. Mm -hmm. And anyway, we were kind of about a month had passed and he didn't have a name yet. <laughs> And we were kind of played around yeah. with some ideas, but none of them felt quite right. Not sticking. And yeah. And and the first two, you know, Halstead and Maxwell is a very, very well-known intersection in the city of Chicago. It's two streets, two street yes. names. Mm -hmm. So like having these two dogs, Halstead and Maxwell, it was such kind of an epic it's a, dog pairing name. It's a, yeah. Yeah. And if you're a Chicagoan, you know, everybody, you know, knew it, it immediately. Like, yeah. you know, it immediately. So we were, so there was pressure to pick like a really good name for him. <laughs> so, yeah. So what we, uh, so anyway, one day he was playing around and started sticking his little nose in things. And I was like, I don't know, I think we got to give him Halstead's nickname. Parker. And that is how, yeah. And that's how he got Parker because of Maureen calling him no calling Halstead Nosey Parker. Yeah, which is a great name too. So yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you mentioned obviously John loves to cook like Mr. Fish. They're kindred yes. in that way. You yes. also love to cook, but you are like the bread maker. Yes. You're always I am actually yes. I'm not a good cook. I am good at baking. Yes. <laughs> Cooking is a little overwhelming to me. It's a like, lot it's more like, moving. It's a lot. More it's a lot of moving about. parts. Yeah, right. It's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of timing, which, you know, as a tourist, I'm not like a, you know, <laughs> You're a little... I'm not. I'm not. I'm not necessarily super fast moving <laughs> no. human being. No. I'm like, ah, I'll get there. Me. So it's it's I nice. Yeah, it's nice that the bread yeah. has to sit yeah. for a while that you can. Yeah, I I know your uh, I know your your listeners can't see us, but I'm drinking from a coffee cup with <laughs> Taurus on one side and determined, determined on the other. So yes, that is, that is a very good, um, that is a very good word to use to describe me. So in the yes. world of baking, you know, okay. So just a slight well, because background. I kind of mentioned like, just to give you a little background, I kind of mentioned yeah. last week on the podcast, I talked about some things that were making my life better. And mm. one of them was making bread at home because we really haven't yeah. bought bread from the store since like the summer. And it's, yeah. the bread is delicious and there's no added sugar or anything. And I just kind of said it in passing, but a lot of people wanted the recipe and were interested in trying to start making bread yeah. at home. So I thought yeah. you could shed some light on maybe some tips. Yeah. Things to stay. Okay. Around. Well, I have, okay. So there's, there's two, there's two kind of methodologies that I follow. And one of them, I, and, and let me tell you, and you know, like, like I'm saying, determined Taurus. Yeah. If, if I didn't buy 30 books on how to make a loaf of sour, sourdough bread, I didn't buy one. Right. Yeah. So maybe it was 40 books, <laughs> but in any case, I finally landed on the one that turned making a loaf of sourdough bread in from something that was, you know, a challenge like daunting, and something more daunting, somewhat like, uh, is this really going to come out the way I want? And where you kind of end up with something that looks sort of like 
bread, but isn't really like, why does the picture look like this? And <laughs> why, mine looks why like that. Why didn't it rise like that? <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right. And, and, you know, as some background, I, my mother owned a cake baking business when I was a kid. So oh, I have been around that. baking my whole life. Yeah. When, I mean, way before I was, you know, legally allowed to be employed, I made the, um, I made the flowers for the wedding oh, cakes. Oh, Which Cindy, and, we are kindred in the way that Cindy is from Tennessee. So we're both Southern living in Southern Chicago girls. Now, so yes, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yes. continue. Yeah. So I have been around baking like at a pretty high level my whole life. So when I tried to make a sourdough bread the first few times, it was like kind of a disaster. And I was yeah. like, okay, what, what, what am I not <laughs> doing correctly here? So in any case, I ended up finding this book and I wanted to share this with your listeners mm -hmm. for anybody who, you know, has experienced the same thing I did. I found a book called Artisan Sourdough Made Simple. And the Love author the of this book, yeah, yes, exactly. And, and it is, and it's true. And the author is named Emily Rafa. It's R-A-F-F-A. -F -F -A. Okay. You'll have and to I, send me a picture of it. I'll try to find it online okay. and I can link it for everyone yeah, okay. that wants to. Yeah. So, so her book, I, I, the, the recipe that I use the most out of her book is the one that's called high hydration sourdough. So it just means that the ratio of, is, of water is a little bit higher than a standard one. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I have made I have made, you know, at least 200 rock star loaves from this book. And when I send you the, when I send you the name and the link, yeah. I will send you also a, a couple photographs of the ones I have actually made. Oh, that'll be perfect. So that you can see yeah. that it's really possible for somebody to make an outstanding loaf like that. So as I've gotten really into it, what I, what I, what I tend to do is I always tend to err on the side of a little more water okay. than than even her high hydration loaf calls for, because you know every house is different, every 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 oven, oven is yep. different, and I've just found for for the way I want the bread to turn out, and what I want it to turn out is is with you know big holes on the inside and a crisp, you know kind of crackly, Shell, yeah, um, yeah, on the outside, so. That is, you know, that is what I have found that works. And the other thing that I do is I, for the first 20 minutes, I put the oven to um, like 500 or even a little bit hotter. Mm -hmm. And then, and then after you take it, so you keep your, you, you do it in a, you know, like in a Le Creuset, like in a Dutch okay. oven. So that's so something you that you definitely need is a, a Dutch oven type you got to do something with a heavy lid on it because what what happens you you put the dutch oven in the oven first you get it blazing hot mm -hmm. be careful that you don't burn yourself you get that blazing hot then you put your dough in it when the, once there's all the rising and you've done all the work you you put the dough in it in this blazing hot dutch oven you put the lid back on mm -hmm. What happens inside the oven is that the moisture from the dough, or the mm -hmm. moisture, you know, that is contained within the dough, it, inside that really hot pot with the lid on it, that starts the rising process and it will make the crust amazing every okay. time. Okay. Uh, it has worked every single time. 
And so anyway, after, so you take the lid off after 20 minutes and then you just bake, you know, following the instructions. Okay. Cause and, I was thinking like, if someone's never done this before, what yeah. do they not need to skimp on versus what do they really not need to worry yeah. about as far as like pans or tools or gadgets or whatever? A, a heavy cast iron Dutch oven is critical. Necessary. It's okay. You know, I know the Le Creuset one is pricey. If somebody can get that one, great. If not, I know there's a lot of other brands mm-hmm. now that make. But it well, needs even to yeah, be they're the they're like iron. almost look like the Le Creuset ones because they're imitation, right. so they're probably pretty similar. Yeah, and it's ca- as long as it's cast iron and it has that heavy lid, it'll work. Oh, the other thing is you really need to put parchment paper inside with it. Okay. So so why? you you put well. I'm not even 100% I sure that I know the why on that. Mm-hmm. But but you put the dough on the parchment on the counter and that allows you to lift it up and okay, put it in that's the smart. Hot yeah. Pot. Okay. Otherwise you can't put it in a blazing hot pot because <laughs> with your hands too hot. <laughs> with your hands you can't handle it. So that so the 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 piece of parchment. So what you need if somebody's just, you know, getting into this, what the things they really need are a scale, you absolutely have to measure the stuff. Don't use a recipe that is like a cup of flour mm-hmm. or you know, cup of water. Everybody's cup is different. The way you measure it, even no matter how precise you are, you need to get a scale, a digital scale to weigh everything. That is key. Okay. So you need the scale. Then you need something called a bench scraper. It's like a something that you scrape dough off your countertop with. Okay. You need a really good, um, you need a good rolling pin. Not that you really use it in the sourdough loaf, but you'll use it a ton for other baking things. Pizza crust. It, yes, because once you get into sourdough, you're, you're going to want to make pizza crust. Yeah. <laughs> then you're in a whole new world. Mm-hmm. So and, and you need so and. You know, a lot of people use something called a bread lame mm-hmm. to to make little decorations in their okay. dough. I just use serrated. I use a tomato knife okay. because for me, I like the way that the serration catches the, the dough yeah. and pulls through it. So I I just use my tomato knife. I, I don't, okay. you know, I don't. And uh, yeah, and yeah, that's what you need. So it's really not that so, many things that you really need. And you need the book. Not that many things. You need the book and, and you need good quality flour. Don't, don't skimp out on the flour, you know, get the, I, I like the King Arthur, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, if you live nearby, like a, like an organic co-op or something like that, that has, you know, locally made flour, that's nice too, but that's, that's a lot harder to harder come by. Harder to come by, yeah. Yeah, but the King King Arthur. And so anyway, so I mentioned two kind of methodologies. And so mm-hmm. that's number one. That's like, you know, hit it out of the park every single time. Hot, that's the high And then, yes. Okay. And then the other one is, you know, there's, if, if you're somebody who wants to be kind of romanticize the idea of making a loaf of sourdough bread. That's like bread, everything this podcast is about, just yes, romanticizing everything. Yes. So continue. Yes. So, so for that um, portion of your bread love, I'm going to recommend that you get a book by a girl named Apollonia Poulain, and I will send you the also yeah, the name. Yeah, send me both books, link. and I'll I'll link them. Yeah, 
Yeah. So Apollonia Pelaine is a, she is really from a family of bread royalty. She is a third generation bread maker in Paris. Her grandfather started a bakery, you know, boulangerie, mm -hmm. and her father and mother ran it. And now she is the third generation to run it. And I'm not going to tell your listeners too much about her because her book and her story is so beautiful that I would just encourage everybody just to read to, it in general. Yeah, uh, to read it in general. And it's and the pictures in the book are gorgeous. Her her loaf is a very different loaf. What they're super famous for is this very large country loaf. It's like a four pound loaf. Okay. I have made it. And my husband was like, it's delicious. It's like <laughs> such a good loaf, but it's, it's, it's a process. You know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, like I said, artists and sourdough made simple. Well, this is not that. So it's more romantic. <laughs> it's a definitely more romanticized more version. Care. Okay. Yes. And, and their, um, the bakery, which is also called Poulain, the same as her last name, mm -hmm. uh, they do have an online, you know, online sales and you can actually order a loaf of her bread and have it shipped to Oh, have your you home. done that? Yes, I have done it. And it's, they, they FedEx them. So you get it like within 24 hours of oh, it being nice. baked, which is totally fine because sourdough bread is frequently something that you don't want to cut into it immediately anyway. You want to let it kind of mm -hmm. sit on the counter for a day. Mm -hmm. So the, the fact that you can order a loaf from her bakery and get it sent to your home. Well, then it sits anywhere. for 24 hours and then you can cut into it when it gets yeah. there. And, yeah. and anyway, it's, it's, so not only is the bread delicious, but I also think there's like this romantic element yeah. of being able to have this bread shipped from Paris. It's not wildly expensive. I mean, it's ex as it's expensive for a loaf, for of, a bread, loaf of bread, <laughs> yeah. expensive for a loaf of bread, but to get like this beautifully handmade item shipped, you know, halfway around the world and be enjoying it in your own kitchen for, it feels, you know, that is very special. reasonable. Yeah. That's special. It is. It is. So, and I kind of think of it as like a great gift. Like if you have a friend who loves bread or who's just kind of loves France and it's into well, it seems stuff like, like that, it's like a really good gift. gift. It, it's a chic gift. It, 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 it is so assuredly a chic gift. brings us into, a, I told you I want to talk about gift giving a little bit because mm. I, yeah, I want to be like a really, really good gift giver. And I think in certain ways I am, but Sometimes I think I overthink it, but that seems like a really chic, almost simple gift that would be special for really anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And let me say it was like, it's one of those things, like I saved the bag it came in. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's a <laughs> whole like, experience. It's a whole experience. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, I guess I'm wondering, like, am I a good gift giver? I don't know. Do you, I, cause there I, are people that say like, Oh, my love language is gift giving, which I wish yeah. that was me. D do you feel like that? I guess is my question. Or do you feel like gift giving is something that you're good at? Let, yeah. You know, let me say, I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm on, obviously I'm very attached to my identity as a Taurus, but <laughs> Tauruses, Tauruses tend to be pretty generous. And I, I, I don't know if I'm great at gift giving, but I give a lot of gifts. I'm the kind of person who like, you You're know, very I walk, 
I walk in a store or I see something online and like my, like my close friend, Carolyn, Oh, Carolyn would love that. And I just order it and send it to her. Oh, that's sweet. it's, you know, they're not necessary. you know, it's not, it's not expensive items, but it's just something that made me think of her. And so I just want to do it. And, and well, lots see, of books. I, kind of I love buying about, books. That's what I talked about kind of on the podcast last week that it doesn't have to be something expensive. I think a lot of people get tripped up, especially now I'm seeing on the internet, a lot of people are making like gift guides and Mm. like, oh, here's what you should get your mother-in-law. Here's what you should get your sister or your brother or all these people. And everything on the list is like upwards of like 80 to a hundred dollars, like over that. But if you're on a budget and you're trying to buy something for everyone in your family, you might not be able to spend 150 on everybody in your family. Yeah. Well, I, at this time of year, one, you know, one of the things I really like to do is give people um, ornaments, mm-hmm. Christmas ornaments. That's sweet. I love decorating Christmas tree. I'm super into it. I'm a big geek about all that. Do you have and your tree so, up yet? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Up, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fully decorated. You uh-huh. know, there's reeds. Yeah, there's wreaths on the front front door. Love. There's garland. Everything's trimmed in garland. There's red velvet bows everywhere. You know, all uh, all it. the yeah, <laughs> all the neighbors are passing by our house, and the neighbors are like, "Wow, you really put a <laughs> smile on my face." You know? See, that's <laughs> like, nice. That's a very it nice sentiment. It is. it is. It makes me happy to know that you know other people really enjoy seeing it, and I I think they truly do because I all of our neighbors have give so many compliments about the way well we for do it, people so. that don't obviously my listeners don't know where you live but cindy lives on a street where all the houses are very close together so if they're all decorated i can imagine that makes like a very pretty vignette of yeah of the street yeah yeah our street is one of those kind of really beautiful ur- urban historic Stone streets buildings so. like yeah. very yeah. I almost want to say it's very textured. Like that's what I think of when I think of y'all's street. Like all the houses are like very textured and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember being, you know, a young person moving to Chicago, you know, for my first job. And I came with the, you know, couple roommates. And Mm -hmm. I remember we were, it got cold and it was so beautiful in the wintertime here. People decorate their houses and white lights everywhere. And it's just Mm -hmm. gorgeous. And I remember walking, you know, of course, I'm sure it was like following a night at a bar, yeah. <laughs> walking night. home with my t- late night and I'm walking home with my two roommates and I looked down onto the sidewalk and like they had some kind of an aggregate in the sidewalk where the sidewalk looked almost like glitter. You've probably oh, seen yeah. that in, uh-huh. in Chicago. There's mm-hmm. yeah, it's in the sidewalks. It's like part of the mix, concrete mix, yeah. but the sidewalk was like glowing with like this little glitter, like light twinkle bounces off of it. Totally. And I remember I looked at my two roommates and I was like, I finally found where I belong. (laughs) The the (laughs) sidewalk sparkle. There's glitter in the sidewalks here. I'm never leaving. I will not leave. (laughs) This is my place. I have found my, (laughs) I have found my home. So, you know, it's, I, I like to, I like to share these like Chicago like images of somebody who's been here a long time and Mm -hmm. in the city. 
because I feel like the city's getting kind of a bad rap in the media lately. It always does, and it has for years. Yeah, but it's not really that kind of a place. And and I'm not saying it's perfect. It's got challenges. But but, every city does. Yeah, yeah. But I can say it is still a wonderful place to live. I feel very fortunate to, you know, have found this spot and, you know, made my life here. So if if any of your listeners are Chicagoans, okay, yes. And for any who are not, come come visit. visit. Yeah, come Come visit. visit. Me and Cindy will take you out too. Yes, yeah, (laughs) exactly. We can have a ladies' ordinary tour. We can have our girl dinner. (laughs) Mm. Yes, right. Well, I I actually had a girl breakfast right before we got on. What'd you uh, eat? Oh God, I'm kind of embarrassed (laughs) to tell you guys, but okay. Let me let me start this off by saying, you know, I. I had after work drinks with a couple okay. friends last night. Fair enough. Friday night. Friday night after work drinks. It's the holidays. Mm-hmm. You got to get together with people. Festive. So, yeah. So I, uh, I, I maybe have had one little too much red <laughs> wine. So I woke yeah. up this morning with like kind of a, with not with the world's best yeah. feeling state in my of head. mind. <laughs> Yes. So I decided that, you know, I need to get on this podcast. So I was like, all right, I need to pep my up. husband, my husband went running. So I'm like home alone. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have some coffee. And let's see, I had like two little scoops of peanuts <laughs> with a, with a hazelnut uh, quadratini cookie. <laughs> and that was, that was followed by a Reese cup. <laughs> definitely girl breakfast. But, and it was a frozen Reese cup, so only a, only the best way to do it, if, right? Of course, if you're, of course. If, if you're, you're gonna, gonna do eat, it, if you, do it right. If you're gonna, yeah. So if you're gonna eat the Reese's cup, you know it's best if it's frozen. So the Reese's so little, cool. yeah, the mini cups, those have played kind of an important role in my life. It was also <laughs> my snack, like pr- right before my wedding, uh-huh. I was there. You know, my husband and I are you know, within an hour of getting married, I'm getting my wedding dress on and the, and the snack plate in my room was, you know, a bottle of champagne (laughs) and a stack of those little mini Reese cups. The only way to fuel up. (laughs) You're up there shaking. It was going to be a long night and I I needed a little sugar boost. So so funny. You had to prepare. Okay. Mm. So we have to get into the meat and potatoes We have to talk about The Golden Bachelor. Oh, boy. Because Cindy started watching The Golden Bachelor after listening to the podcast, and then we decided we have to recap the finale on air for you guys. (laughs) All right. Well, let me just say, I... What was your overall viewing experience? Yeah, let's start with that. Okay. Well, first of all, I've never watched any version of The Bachelor ever. This was my first time watching it. Mm-hmm. And and I do not have social media. I have never had a Facebook page. I do not have Instagram. I do have nothing. I so I, <laughs> I am literally like one of, the, I live in like a happy but relatively <laughs> small world. <laughs> so it's a lovely and bubble. It's a lovely bubble. I really don't need a lot of outside no. influences. So I uh, I do not have social media. So let me start off with that. So watching this was kind of a very interesting experience for me in many ways, because it's just a look into like a world that I'm not part of. Mm -hmm. I found it to be, um, I I, I have to admit, I found the 
Gary? Is his name Gary? It's, or It is Gary. Like, it is pronounced Gary. Okay. But it looks like, like it's spelled Jerry. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I don't know who's... <laughs> I was like, I don't know who spelled this guy's name. But Which like... <laughs> I thought it was really funny during the Women Tell All. They kind of yeah. did a, a montage of them being like, is it Gary or Jerry? <laughs> like, no one could remember what his name was. Like, I was like, okay, I, I'm... I do, I do know how to read. And I'm just telling you that those letters yeah. do not say Gary. <laughs> they don't say <laughs> but that. But anyway, <laughs> they don't say that. But all right, let's get past that. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, but I have to admit, I I thought there was a lot of, uh, you know, disingenuous kind of fault, fake kind of behavior. And I was team Leslie. And I really think the reason that I found her appealing is that she had a certain type of authenticity that I think a lot of the people on that show did not have. And um, a couple of the other ladies that I liked, they, they were kind of out of there fairly early. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what they were really like, but you know, I'm, I'm 54. So I'm not that much younger than mm -hmm. some of these people. And the idea that you meet, this person and start like talking about getting married and oh I'm in love and all this within like a few weeks doesn't what seem very realistic me to me. was when he was on his like last date with Teresa before the engagement was going to be like the next yeah. day basically yeah. and they hadn't even talked about what she did for work Right. I was like, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, I'm wait like, a minute. What have y'all been talking about? So it led me to believe like, maybe they don't really talk that much. That, maybe the I just show. Thought, is... Yeah. I just thought it was all kind of like the talking yeah. was off screen, unless it was something relevant to something yeah. else that we had seen. Yeah. But when he right. said like, I, what do you do for work on the date before the engagement that floored me? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, totally. Yes. That was definitely one of the things. And I don't know, there was there. I, 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 I don't know. I don't think I would watch it again. Now, let me say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, committing to that. If I'm yeah. on this podcast in six months and we're talking about the right, golden yeah. bachelorette, don't, don't hold that against it. <laughs> Because if they bring but, Joan back, if they bring Joan back for Golden Bachelor, Joan we will be watching. Oh, and Leslie, I yeah. I thought Joan, yeah, Joan was like somebody like really nice lady, attractive, mm -hmm. fun. Same about Leslie. I thought she was very cute. I have cute, to say, so last time we talked about when we went to like brunch and we talked about yeah. Golden Bachelor, and I was very yeah. like turned off to Leslie. Watching the last two episodes, I found that she was very endearing. Like you're yeah. saying, I just felt like she was so genuine and especially yeah. like in her talking heads when she's just talking to the camera. Yeah. I just yeah. felt like everything she was saying was so relatable in a way. And it honestly made me really, really sad that she did not get selected. Right. Right. And I think, I think, her relatability is that's something we all can experience and feel you know we've mm -hmm. all been in in that spot kind of you know wondering doubting am i doing the right thing yeah. and the way she kind of like and what i really liked about her too was when they did the hometowns her, her hometown. Fam, yeah 
her family was her family seemed also very authentic but they they you could tell they were a little bit skeptical like you know like in the other which is relatable yeah and which made me say these people are actually real yeah. you know i don't think reality tv is particularly real yeah. but i think those people were so she you know like when he went to visit teresa's family like they her family was treating him like he was already part of the family and they when, never even met the guy before when the grandkids were saying like we yes. want you to be the new papa it's like yeah, yeah. i was like what <laughs> What? I was like, these, these kids seem like they've, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like, somebody's been coaching these kids. Like, that's not real. So oh. I liked the way that, you know, I liked the way that Leslie's grandkids were a little bit more like, you know, they were like, well, we think grandma really likes you. Yeah, and do was... you like her? It was a little more realistic. Like, you know, these grandkids aren't going to be like, you know, coaching a marriage out of this guy they just met him That's what, like, did we need did we need to see them sit down with the grandkids and the grandkids asking the questions i don't think we needed that from the eight-year-olds yeah. but that's, yeah right know, i thought that was a little yeah i was like i was thinking that uh yeah teresa seemed to teresa yeah whatever she's in some ways a lovely lady but i found her a lot less authentic and i am you know, somebody who I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just somebody who's going to be drawn to that sort of, mm -hmm. you know, person who's coming across in, in a much more, um, well, you know, human kind of way. It. Everyone has these negative emotions and feelings at some point. And I just found it very refreshing that Leslie was able to share that whether or not yeah. Teresa was feeling those things. Yeah. She always kept like a, that little grin that she did. Exactly, oh, exactly. It was almost a little bit I'm like, like, are you like... participating in the show? Like, <laughs> like your man is with someone else right now. Well, listen, that's, the, I, I have to say the idea that, and as it's narrowing down to like two or three people, the, you know, these, all these people are expressing a lot of like intimacy with each other and they know like in a, in an hour I or two or hey, whatever it is, this guy's going with some other chick. I'm like, yeah, he, no, 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 no. <laughs> he woke up. Norm, I thought that maybe they would give him like a day in between those first overnights. Me too. Because Me he too. said he woke up with Leslie and then in a matter of hours, he was with Teresa. Well, so I, I thought that there was going to be a gap in between that too. But I will tell you this, when he, when I thought after he and Leslie did the overnight and the way they really connected and sort of, they seemed like they really had a nice experience with mm -hmm. each other, like enjoyed each other, yeah. truly enjoyed each other. But when he went on the, on the, you know, date with Teresa and he handed the key and he was kind of like, this is entirely up to you. And I was thinking, okay, yeah, like this, if this guy had like the experience with Leslie that he s seemed to have had, I don't know why he would just automatically roll into like spending a night well, with this lady. You know I mean, what? Uh, on the after the final rose, when they brought him out and Leslie was able to talk to him, and like he said, even on camera, he said some things to Leslie that were like, I mean, he yeah. even said, oh, like, yeah. I think I you're it. the one. You're the one. Yeah. And yeah, then I heard she that. Yeah. said on After the Final Rose, like the things that you said to me on camera that everybody saw, like those were 
you know, intimate, but the things that you said to me when we were like cameras off, I won't share that, but you know what you said. And why would you say that to me? Right. So I think truly, I think what happened and just from my thought process, because it seems like he was so good when Leslie met his family and the family loved Leslie and whatever, but the family had brought up that potentially Leslie could be nervous about, you know, like when he said till death do us part and that made her a little nervous. And she candidly shared that with the daughters and they brought it up to Gary as like, she might not be as confident in your relationship as you think. I think that is when the, everything changed. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, you know, being just somebody who, you know, is always curious, like I see mm-hmm. this stuff going on. I'm like, what, what like, who are these people? So yeah. I did a little uh, Googling on uh, oh, I love Mr. It. Mr. <laughs> Gary after the show was over. And it turns, it, it turns out there, there is an article out there. I'm not, you know, I'm just saying what I read. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I have fact checked all these people, but there's, you know, there is an article out there about him that he, you know, his wife has been deceased, I think for six to seven years. Mm-hmm. He actually did have a relationship with someone and lived with the person for about a year. So his, his sentiments on the show, which I have to admit, I didn't believe from the very beginning, his sentiments about, I haven't had a kiss in six years. I haven't had, I haven't, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. I, I pretty much didn't really believe that even when, even before I had seen this article or whatever, but yes, mm-hmm. this lady said that um, about three to four months after his wife passed away, they, they, I, I think they worked at the same place or something like that. Yes. Yes. I read that article too. Yeah. So anyway, so, you know, I get it. Reality TV is not exactly real, but part of me wonders, did the producers, which Gary should have been like, why can't I just be honest? Like I was yeah. widow, like I was a widower, um, you know, yeah. um, yeah. but part of me wonders if the producers were like, let's just keep it like, let's endear you a little bit more to America yes, and yes, say that, course. which yeah, it's fine. That's course. what they do on reality TV. Yeah, right. Of course. Yeah, of course. That's, that's definitely, yeah. But I have to admit, I, I, like I said, I, I found the whole thing to be a little bit disingenuous. And then after seeing that, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of glad this guy didn't pick Leslie because she dodged something. She just doesn't need that. Like she seems like a very real kind of authentic person. And, and now she's gotten exposed to like millions of people. So exactly. Maybe she's going to find someone amazing if she wants that. And if she one wants thing to that on her he own, said, one thing that he said that kind of, it didn't like, it didn't make me mad, but it just kind of threw me off was he was talking about why he selected Teresa. And he kind of said like, she had this long, beautiful marriage. Like I know that she's capable of like being in a relationship. And it just made me think that he kind of saw Leslie as someone who was like damaged in a way because she hadn't had that in the past. Yeah. And that made me sad because she still deserves to find that just because she hasn't had it up to this point. Well, and you know, I, I have to say, I heard that comment too. And I kind of took that as a little bit like, okay, he's definitely trying to like pick somebody who is going to well, like, sort of be like sit down and shut up caretaker kind of. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
yeah, who's gonna, you know, and, and she, and you know, that's no, what she wanted to do. That's what she wanted to do. And, and let me say, I'm not a hater. I am no, no, don't, you know, don't, don't send hate. Now. <laughs> We're not trolls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trolls. I'm just saying that, that, you know, and listen, in a relationship, it's important to find out what each person wants. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to do that? in order to keep the relationship going. So if that's what he's looking for, you know, somebody's going to take that little bit more like, you know, like traditional motherly. wife. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of motherly or traditional wife role. And if she wants to do that, well, okay. Happily ever after. There you go. Yeah. You're, there you go. You're both, you got it. Do what you want. Right. <laughs> I loved it when, after he came back in and broke up with Wesley, which was incredibly painful and awkward to watch. Yeah. Um, She's like, what's wrong with me? And he's like, don't think that. And she was like, well, I can really think whatever the fuck I want. Yes. So <laughs> Yes. I was happy that she did that. Like, I was so like, happy she said that. Yeah. And there was, there's a, and like I said, having never watched any reality show before. So maybe my perspective is a little, you know, different, but mm-hmm. I thought there was a certain type of like patronizing um, in each, each time that he let, you know, when they Someone give out go. the roses and people go, I thought he was a little bit patronizing to each one of these ladies. And I, well, I that, why like, was he know, crying? Like, like it just right. kind of rubbed me through, like, why are you crying over someone? Like, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't seem yeah. like. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Hey, these are, these ladies are like 60 years old and they're accomplished and they're like, and they're, they're going to be fine. Capable. They're going to be fine. You don't need to talk to her. Like she's some kind of like yeah. little, little China doll. Well, who's going to, yeah. Like them. you goes, don't, what are you, doing, you don't have to make it seem like, Oh, like you're going to yeah. be okay. Like yeah. she's got it. Like she <laughs> yeah, knows <dude. laughs> yeah, she's dude, had I'm like three kids. It. Like she's been through the loss of a husband. Like I think she's going to make it. <laughs> got a great careers and everything these yeah, ladies exactly. were totally together i'm like i'm like okay you're you're not her therapist okay just yeah. you know you gave the rose to who you wanted like, let her go let yeah. her leave yeah let her leave <laughs> well even um when he said about letting leslie go and i'm sure like i'm just obviously i'm just you know cr- critiquing gary yeah, at yeah, this yeah. point but right. when he let leslie go and he's like i've been through some hard things like the the worth the only other time I felt like this is when my wife passed away. And this is like a really close second. If I was his wife, no. I would be haunting him because why yeah. would you say that? Why would you say that? Right. Right. <laughs> that was, that was too far for me, but he seems yeah. very happy with Teresa. They're getting married on TV. So, Oh, Oh, okay. I have to say, I did watch the, the, you know, that whole thing, mm-hmm. by the way, I, I did not realize when I was committing to watch this that it was going to be two hours. Well, when when <laughs> you hours. said like you said How that you were starting it, you were starting it was like it had to be like nine o'clock. I was like, wow, she's going to be a fatal. Let, and let me and don't forget about my you know after work cocktails last exactly. night. Exactly. I had to. I started watching it when I got home, and it was like right around nine. And yeah. yeah, I fell asleep within like 10 minutes. So I was like, oh boy, I'm going to have to wake up in the morning and watch this. So I woke up at like, oh, I didn't, don't take this wrong. I did not wake up at 3 a.m. To, yeah. to watch this. No, but I, I woke shouldn't. up. <laughs> no, I, I, 
I have a long history of insomnia. So I frequently wake up at three in the morning and then I start reading or something. But this morning I woke up at three and I was like, all right, well, I guess I got to watch this thing. And then I looked at my iPad and it was like two hours and six minutes. I was like, what? You're like, jeez. I'm like committing to a movie I'm like, now. this is like, this, I'm thinking. That wow. was one thing I will say about this season. I really appreciated the shorter episodes because yeah. in yeah. the past when I watched Bachelor, like, years ago they would start getting to like hour and a half like episodes weekly i'm like i do not need all that's too much they kept it really like (laughs) yeah they kept it to what you needed and it was fine i but well so what i was going to add to that is that what uh and what's the guy's what's the host guy's name jesse Jesse. Okay. So he, so I don't know if you caught this, but at the end he was like, yeah, they're going to get married on TV and all of the bachelor golden bachelor ladies are going to be there. And I'm thinking if I'm Leslie, I am not going to this dude's wedding. Uh, Absolutely not. Surely she will not be there. I was so proud of Leslie when she said like, I don't accept your apology, but I get it. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you do you, but I don't have I will to not be, be okay at your with wedding. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. definitely no. The only way that I think the only way she she should attend that wedding is if she shows up with a super hot guy. Yes. <laughs> like they need to pair her up with someone to take her yeah. to the wedding. Another, my last critique of she, Teresa yeah, not being genuine awesome though. Yeah. 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 When they announced that they were going to send them to Italy. Like, clearly they both knew that already. And she, like, jumped up. The only reason I think that they knew it is because Gary was like, oh, that'll be perfect because we can go after our wedding for our honeymoon. So I just, like, when Teresa jumped up and she's, like, jumping up and down, like, hugging Jesse, I'm like, you already (laughs) knew you were going. Because Gary didn't do all that. You're not on a game show here. This is not the price is right, okay? You did, you did. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you did not just win the Wheel of Fortune, okay? Like, you probably picked Italy. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was... Right. Yeah, so, yeah. So that was, whatever. I guess, maybe all the, like I said, I've never watched any of it before, so maybe that's happening all the time. But... That for me was a little bit like, yeah, that's a thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, I will say this season, even though there was some like disingenuous, it was it's nothing compared to when the young people are on and it's like just the standard Bachelor. That's like a thousand times worse. I, I don't think I'll ever watch one of those seasons again. I think I would watch if they brought back the right person for Golden yeah. Bachelorette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who would you vote? Uh, uh, other than Joan, because we kind of mentioned her already, who would you vote yeah. to be the Golden Bachelorette? Well, obviously, I like Leslie. I like Joan. Um, the other lady that I liked was, I, she, she was out of there kind of earlier. Um, I'm trying to remember. She had a long gold dress on in the beginning. and she. I think that's uh, Nancy or Edith. 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 Yes, she's on my list. I liked her. I thought she was super elegant and attractive lady. And then there was the um, the one with the shorter blonde hair who who was um, living down in Port St. Lucie, Florida. I I is that um, Ellen or or April? April. April was kind of the racier one. Yeah, she was. She that lady had some spunk and. 
I was thinking, now, I don't know, I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what that ride would be like. I'm not yeah, exactly. saying go there, but, I, but I'm sure it would be entertaining to watch it. <laughs> she, yeah, it would be good TV. She did a podcast actually and said like, I was not really feeling Gary. I was just kind of there for the ride because yeah, yeah, it was yeah, fun yeah. and I was yeah, hanging yeah, out with right. the girls. Yeah, totally. But we'll see. I, I mean, I yeah, if I have to say what I thought was the best part of the show, it was that a number of the ladies seemed to really have some camaraderie with each mm -hmm. other. And I found that really cool because mm -hmm. I think that in our culture, women getting along is not something that is often highlighted. You know, that's most, not what they want to broadcast. Yeah. That's not what they want to broadcast. They, you know, it's all about these, you know, housewives type shows where they're like at each other's throats all the time. Mm -hmm. But as a, you know, as a woman in her mid fifties, I can tell you, I have my, my main source of, oh, well, listen, I love my husband and he's amazing, <laughs> but I'm saying my main source of like, you know, support in my life comes from a group. It's of your women female that, friends. That, and many of them I have been friends with for 30 years, 25, 20 years. I mean, I have these really long and very substantial relationships with women. And I thought seeing women depicted in this way, getting along, even though they're all kind of there competing for this guy, mm -hmm. I could see that a lot of them were just kind of like, this is so fun. It's like, yeah. Like know, we're with the yeah, girls. <laughs> we're back in a sorority house. You know, it's like yeah. amazing. And, and they, and yeah, and they all know only one of them is going to end up being the quote unquote winner of this thing. So why not have a little fun in the, in the, you know, background. So I enjoyed seeing the way like that lady, Susan, she was really into cooking and yeah. she was, like she was making food for all of them and they get they didn't show a lot of that but you saw enough of it that i i found it really good kind of to your point there were so many of them that were so close i wish they would have highlighted that a little bit more rather than highlighting the drama or the not getting along between teresa and some of the other women in the house like that's yeah. what they wanted to focus on versus yeah, yeah. showing uh, yeah, I, I have to admit for me, when Teresa did that, and I think that was maybe midway through the mm -hmm. season, when she did that, and, you know, and then, and she didn't just, she didn't just say what she said or do what she did. She also kind of gossiped about it. And yeah. then she went to, she, he, she went to, then she know, goes to Gary. Yeah, and told him. And I was like, okay, this girl is not like, you don't. Not a that, girl's girl. That's not a girl's girl. You don't, you don't roll in the girl community. like No, that. exactly. Cool. Which I thought was interesting that she, the winner was like the only one that really didn't get along with the other women <laughs> in the house. So what does that tell you about? Right. Yeah. No, I, it's fine. Look, in a way I thought, I thought they're going to be perfect for each other because they both seemed to me like they were sort of there to use the experience rather than have kinda, the experience. They were kind yeah. of spacey too. Sorry. That's me. And they were but... both kind of, yeah. I was like, yeah, these two are both kind of <laughs> dorks in a way. So they're probably going to be fine. <laughs> they're going to be so happy and ignorant. <laughs> You're going to have like a super happy dork life. <laughs> Live it up. Enjoy your dork life. <laughs> Everybody else got like 15 new friends. Teresa got here. Right. So everybody won. Yeah, it's all, everybody, yeah, it's all good. Everybody won. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This has been so fun. I, yeah. I really do think if they do Golden Bachelorette, we might have to watch it to recap, but we'll see who they pick. 
let's see who they pick and i yeah. uh, I, I will remain open about that <laughs> <laughs> Well, you'll think about it. Well, thank you so much for being on here. This has been so fun. I'm going to have to have you back on for sure. I would love to come. It's my, it's my true pleasure. And I've really enjoyed the hour. I can already see an episode about female friendship in the future. I think that would be a really good topic for us. Sounds so great. I'll keep that in mind. Thank you, Cindy, so much for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Ladies Ordinary. I will link everything that Cindy referenced in regards to bread um, on the Instagram. So please follow us on Instagram at The Ladies Ordinary. And we will see you next week. Bye.